You're listening to a sermon by Covenant Church. The book of Exodus is key for understanding the whole Bible. Do you know this? What is the biggest rescue salvation event of the Old Testament? It's God rescuing his people who are slaves and bringing them out of slavery. The book of Exodus is actually key for understanding the whole Bible. It's really helpful if you want to understand Jesus. If you know about Exodus, God's people are slaves, and what God does is raise up a Savior named Moses. God delivers Moses from death and then rescues his people with miracles. And some of those miracles were plagues, so God was showing Pharaoh, actually, who's the boss of the universe. One of the things that Moses did was threw his staff on the ground and it became a snake, and then he picked it back up and it was a snake again. What people don't realize is Moses is Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, the person he was doing this in front of, had a headdress with a snake on it. What was the subtle message? Guess what? I'm going to be able to pick you up and put you down. And you might want to pay attention. One of the plagues was, well, what was the number one? There's multiple deities in Egypt. One of the deities was the sun god. And actually, Ra, the sun god, was part of Pharaoh's headdress. What was one of the plagues? Darkness. God flipping the light switch off. Hey, it's supposed to be day now, and it's not. Uh, maybe our God, Ra, isn't the one running things. God rescues his people, brings them out of slavery, brings them to the wilderness on the way to their true home, the promised land. God reveals himself to these people. He's going to teach them to worship and really follow him. In the passage I'm about to read, God is about to reveal himself on a mountaintop and say, these are, these are ten things you need to know. Ten commandments. We're actually going to do a series later this summer on the ten commandments. God is about to reveal himself on Sinai and give, give these ten words And God says this. This is Exodus 19. This is actually, I'm introducing the passage that's in the books, the reach books. Exodus 19. Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. So the Lord's talking to Moses, telling Moses what to say to the people. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So what are the rescued people of God? Well, they're a rescued, saved people. Right? They've been delivered. And they've been delivered dramatically. God doesn't say, hey, you needed a boost. And so I gave you some vitamins. And with that strength, you were able to get out of Egypt. No, they had an airlift out of Egypt. This is what he's saying. On eagles' wings. Hey, man, you were helpless. Let's just be honest to save yourselves. I saved you on eagles' wings. They're rescued people. Slaves now free with a different identity, because they're not slaves now. Now they're a treasured people. They belong to the family of the God of the universe. They belong to the God of the universe, and they're a treasured people, a rescued people. They're also a holy people. What do priests do in the ancient world? Priests have access to God. And God says to his people, this mind-blowing truth, you will be this massive community of people who are priests. You will be a massive community of people who have access to God in a holy nation. Now, they need to learn about, okay, we've been rescued by God, saved by God. I guess we need to know this God's ways. 
And so the next chapter, this rescued, treasured, holy people receive the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to give you the first one. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. It's not raw. It's not the river. Don't worship stars. Don't worship trees. Don't worship invisible spirits. Don't worship the territorial spirits that are attached to certain areas. I'm the God who created all the spirits, all the demons, all the angels. I'm the God who made the world. Some people are awed by the sun and bow down and worship the sun. Don't do that. Some people worship the Nile as the river of, all, all, of life, bringing uh, food to this region. I'm the God of the whole earth. Don't have any other gods before me. So they're learning God's commands. And then in a few chapters later, and there are a huge section of the book of Exodus, is a people learning to worship. It's people learning to worship. Guess who initiates this? It's God. God says, hey, actually, I'm going to teach you about worshiping me. And there's, there's laws about sacrifices. They learn to pro- approach a holy God with blood sacrifice. They learn there's like there's difference between them and God. God is holy. God is different. God is approached with sacrifice. And God says this a few chapters later. Exodus 25, starting with verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves them, you shall receive the contribution from me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, and blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twisted linen, and goat's hair, tan ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as, you show, as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. Okay. I want to say five things really quick about this passage. Where did they get all this stuff? You're like, they're slaves set free. Where did they have like a U-Haul filled with gold and acacia wood? Like, where did they get all this stuff? Well, the 10 plagues were so dramatic. God told them when the Egyptians sent you out, finally at the end, they're just being abused the whole time. But finally at the end, it's like, okay, your God's more powerful. We want you to leave now. Please leave now. Here's an idea. Could you please leave now? How about your being a slave is over? God told them to ask for all the Egyptians for stuff. And so on the way out, the Egyptians are throwing gold at them, silver, like please appease this God, acacia wood. That's how they got all this stuff. They were given all this stuff from God. Okay? They were, they got the stuff from God because of God's rescue. And so then God asks, actually a free will offering People who want to offer, make an offering to make the sacrifice. Now, so that was the first thing. They got the stuff from God. Second is, did this happen after they had been saved or before? This is after they've been saved. After they've been saved. Uh, if you're new to this church, if you're online watching, you wonder how this gospel of Jesus thing works. You're saved actually before you've reformed your life. You're saved out of grace as a free gift. And yes, you're called to repent of sin and turn and live a different way. But you're actually saved before you clean up your act. And you spend the rest of your life cleaning up your act. And we're all partway there, not the whole way there. Uh, Out of response to grace, we live a different life. But this is actually after they've been saved. Third thing I want you to see, who initiates this building, this offering, who initiates the worship of God? It's God. Was it like Moses was like, hey, I have a neato idea. Or people are like, you know what would be really cool? Why don't we approach God this way? God says, hey, I'm going to instruct you exactly how to build something 
which will mirror my character, and I'm going to instruct you exactly about the sacrifices, which is going to teach something that's important and that later Jesus fulfills, because we still approach the holy God by blood sacrifice. God says, look at verse 9, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. This isn't a loose blueprint. Do this is exactly how I said God instructs how he is to be worshipped. Uh, fourth thing, every person whose heart moved them contributed. It's like God just opens it up. Everyone who wants to can participate in this. Fifth thing, look at the purpose. What's the purpose? Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. A sanctuary, okay? Uh, they're going to construct what's known as the tabernacle, which is a mobile temple. What's a temple in the ancient world? A temple is a connection point before the real spirit world of the gods in the physical world. It's a connection point between heaven and earth. And temples have the spirits of the god in them. They're a people on an exodus, on a journey, okay? They're not at the real home. They're living in tents, these elaborate tents that they would set up and be able to live in as a temporary house. And God's mobile temple is going to be in the midst. And it's going to be bigger than theirs and more beautiful than theirs. And made some stuff is going to be made with silver and some with bronze. Some stuff, the most holy parts, are made with gold. It's this amazing thing. But the purpose of it is God said, so I may dwell in their midst. I'm going to be with you guys. And the centerpiece looks like where the Ten Commandments were held looks like the footstool of a king. And it was so holy, the high priest couldn't look at it. And could go, only one could go in that room once a year They're learning about holiness. But the whole point is God wants to dwell with them. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So God puts it out there. Hey, some of that stuff that I actually instructed you, um, that last-minute Egyptian free shopping spree on your way out of the country, anyone who wants to, guess what? A sanctuary is going to be made. It's going to be made exactly how I say. And anyone who wants to give to it, guess what you get to do? You get to give to it. And that's all lead up to the passage that I put in the Reach booklet, and which is now going to be on the screen, Exodus 35. This is what happens. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred them, and everyone whose spirit moved them, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting. Okay? God's Spirit was there. That's where they, as a people, met with God. And for all the service, and for the holy garments. And so they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches, and earrings, and signet rings, and armlets, and all sorts of gold objects. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tan ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of gold or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And all the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. What's stressed here in this passage? Well, the whole community responds. And 
people respond with their skill. So the women who are really good at making this yarn, it in the the tents that were made in the fabric that was made for the inside cherubim were woven into the inside so that the priests inside it was like being in heaven and it was described to them uh the people who were never going to be able to go in there but all this beautiful stuff and once was spread, everyone got to do it. All the men, all the women, everyone used the skill that they had and offered this, a whole community. And it's a free will offering to the Lord. God didn't say, okay. And I, I love this picture because uh, the text says, all who have a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects. So what's the picture? People coming up and like taking off the gold armlet that they've been wearing and putting it in. People are like, yeah, I've had this. You know, uh, other like household gold objects. Hey, I have, I've had this gold. And they just brought it. <laughs> in the preciousness of what they offer is completely apparent. How are um, these people going to respond? The people of Exodus are like kind of famous for messing up. You know, it's like something bad goes happen happens and they tend to go, oh, I guess God brought us out here to die in the desert. And they kind of flip out. They complain sometimes. Is this going to be one of those times where like people's hearts are just in a weird spot and they just famously kind of mess up. Actually, something very different happens. Listen to Exodus 36. This is another passage in the book. Moses called Bezalel and Ohaliab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come up to do the work, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. So the response is so overwhelming. The rescued, treasured, holy people of God who are saved respond and worship in such a deep way, they have to call it off. They have to like turn the spigot off. Can you imagine the... Uh, the workers like, hey, we got too much gold here. Some guy was like, we, this is like too much. We, what, what, what are we going to build with this? Like we need to, you know, someone needs to throw the penalty flag. Hey, folks, it's over. Thank you for your response. So Moses has to say, let everybody know, stop now. We have too much gold. We have too much silver. We have too much. They're making also the gifts for the priests that had these stones that shone in the light of the sun and reflected the beautiful, glorious light of God. They're making all this beautiful stuff. God's people respond in such a deep way. Now, maybe you're thinking, hey, it's too bad we don't have something cool like that to contribute to. It's too bad. Let's be sad. The service is over now. Go home. We don't have anything cool to give to. So be sad. Thanks for coming today. I'll see you next week. We'll start a different series. Actually, John 1. And the Word, so this is the second person of the Trinity. This is Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. 
the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And do you know what the Greek word for dwelt is? Tabernacled amongst us. God templed himself amongst us in the person of his son. Jesus is our tabernacle. Jesus is the presence of God in history. What does that mean for the church of Jesus? Okay, I'm going to bring up Ephesians 2 on the screen. This is Ephesians 2. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. Who's the he? It's Jesus. And God came and preached peace to the Jews, and he preached peace to the nations, to the Gentiles. Okay? Gentiles just means those from the nations, those from the world. That's us. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the Apostle Paul says to a church of mostly Gentiles, hey, guess what? Through Jesus, you are the treasured people of God. Through Jesus, you are the rescued people of God. Through Jesus, you're part of the family of God. Yet you would be on the outside looking in. We would be out without God, without hope in the world. That's actually earlier in this chapter. Apart from Jesus, you're without God. And he says, through Jesus, though, your fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, you couldn't be more in. You're part of God's family now. And you're not just the rescued, treasured, holy people of God now. The church of Jesus Christ is the temple of the Lord. It's the connection point between heaven and earth and where God's spirit dwells. I don't know if you know this, but this happens once in a while. Um, probably about every five, six months, someone says to me, uh, I'm not sure where I stand with Christianity, with Jesus stuff, but when I come worship here, I'm talking about coming to church, I sense the presence of God or something. Like, I don't even know what's happening. And some people I've talked to don't have words for it. They're like, I just cry. Something's different here. The church of Jesus Christ is the holy temple in the world. We are, okay, God dwells in his people by his spirit. God dwells in his people by his spirit. So much so that the church is called the body of Christ. So like at the end of the service, at the end of our worship gatherings, what happens? Um, I like to just remind everybody, hey, we're going to have a chance to go be the hands of Jesus and the hug of Jesus and the tears of Jesus and say the words about God. We're going to be able to serve people in love. Go be the body of Christ. And then I pronounce a biblical blessing on you in Jesus' name as we go do that. God's here by his spirit. So when we're part of the body of Christ and we contribute to the body of Christ, we're contributing to God's work in the world, God's mission in the world, God's people in the world. We're contributing to good deeds done for God in the world. Now, what's the instruction? Um, At the end of Galatians, the Apostle Paul reminds us, this church, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. That's a hopeful thing, right? Sometimes you can get weary in doing good. You know it's a good thing to do, but you can get tired of it. You're like, does it matter? You know, does the good I do matter? And the Bible promises, keep on doing good. You're going to reap. Don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's a mission, isn't it? 
as we have opportunity, let's do good to everybody. Who do we want to bless? Everybody. Uh, that's one way that Rob Chivacoya loves to pray for our church. It's just like lodged deeply in his soul. Like, let's so love our local community that like our community, people, no matter what they would believe, would be sad if this church wouldn't hear. Let's do good to everybody as we have opportunity, especially to brothers and sisters in Jesus. We put out in the, the REACH booklet, and we've been, I've just been a little bit, every sermon, highlighting some of these two-year prayers, okay, two-year targets and 10-year dreams. We've been putting out some big vision stuff there. Hey, let's plan a church, Rob and Lisa, Jeff and Coyle. Let's launch them, okay? It's time. The Lord brought them here. That was clear. Uh, not all of you know that story. I'm going to have him tell it soon. Uh, just like how God connected this church to the Chiffacoyos, brought them to the States uh, to save Rob's life through a me- because he was going to die, had a kidney transplant donated by a member of this church, saved his life, and he's trained as a pastor here for 10 years. That's a holy thing to steward. And Lisa, of course, everybody loves. She serves like crazy here. What a holy thing to steward. Uh, as others have assessed them for church planning, and as leaders in this church have prayed with them, we've gathered as elders and prayed for them and with them, I believe they're called to plan a church. Let's make it happen. What's that doing? Building the temple of God in the world? Here's the thing, and this is the irony. People can be like, ah, oh, it's too bad we don't have something cool like the tabernacle to give to you. No one knows what happened to the tabernacle. But the giving to the people, to the temple of the Lord, that'll actually last throughout eternity. Uh, there's a church planner. So I spent 20 years in the neighborhood of Northern Liberties in Philadelphia. There's a church planner that moved there about 140 years before me. And he planted what became, he was a Presbyterian dude like I am, we'll be friends in heaven. We named our son after the same person in history. We named our, both named our son after George Whitfield. Lucas Whitfield Huber is my son's name. His son was named George Whitfield Patterson. And his name, uh, his last name was Patterson, Okay. It was Philadelphia's first, like, super large. It was like Philadelphia's first megachurch. And it was all these people in the neighborhood that met Jesus there. Okay? Here's what's crazy. The building doesn't exist anymore. Okay? The block that it was on isn't there. Buttonwood Street isn't there in that section of Philadelphia. Okay? It stops earlier. You can't go look at anything even though, okay, 60 pastors went into the ministry while he was there in the 1830s to like, uh, I think he died in the late 1830s. But it was amazing. It was like a lead church in the city, uh, the largest church in the city at the time. So many people met Jesus there. And it was when you walked to church, okay? So it was like all the people from the neighborhood. Uh I lived there for 10 years before I found out about them, and then I geeked out and did this deep dive. I read this 150-year-old sermon. It was for a membership Sunday, and people are getting baptized for the first time. People are like, uh, some of them have been baptized in infants, but now they finally like know Jesus, and they're like joining the church for the first time. In this 150-year-old sermon, he, James Patterson the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church in Lord Liberties says, the vows you will make today will outlast the world in its present form. That church building might be like the site of a mega server someday. Who knows what will happen? It's already gone. But what he said is still true. The people saved by Jesus Christ and like what was happening that day 
lasts forever. What lasts forever? The body of Christ in the world throughout history. Think about all the people that met Jesus. There is no more multicultural religion in the world than Christianity. It has more languages, more peoples. You know, no one culture owns it. Uh, if white people think that, like, we own Christianity, it's just because you don't get out enough. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Visit, the, like, the global south. Okay, no one culture owns it. You're part of something bigger. James Patter said something's true. We're part of something to last forever. What else are we a part of? Hey, we got some pictures here. Let's just put some of these pictures up, okay? Uh, this is in South Sudan. Stop there for a second. Go back to the kids for a second. So, people in South Sudan, the world's newest country, are really thin, as you can tell. Um, we've already given uh, $24,000 to this. And in the future by God's grace, we pray we get to give more. And this is what it does, okay? Go to the next picture. This is a law, South Sinan. Um, getting water is the work of women and moms throughout all of Africa and girls. Okay, that's the whole continent. When clean water comes to a spot, it gives women sometimes four hours more. I mean, women, how far would you walk every day to get clean water so that your kids didn't get sick? You would do whatever it takes, right? So when you bring clean water to their village, all, all of a sudden, hey, all the moms of this village have half a day now. They have hours in their day. What happens? They start little micro-businesses and do stuff to bless their family. It changes the whole not just the health of the spot, but it changes the village and the region uh, economically. Which is why, if you get to be a part of it, uh, it'll just mark your life. So here's some women celebrating. Her necklace says, sweetie. I love that that's what it says. Someone gave it to her. Her husband gave it to her. Uh, and they're dancing at a well repair celebration. That's what you're a part of. Uh, let's go to a couple more pictures. So uh, these are some college kids serving the homeless. And the way this is run uh, at this homeless shelter, you get to learn everyone's names and there's you know, our one really cool thing about the Philadelphia region, one in seven doctors is trained in our region, and we have all these nurses and this huge healthcare industry, and homeless people come to the spot, also get free health clinics. Uh, what started was uh, one of the Liberty Churches started an Easter outreach. Let's give meals away on Easter weekend. And it grew to 10,000 meals. Okay, so 10,000 meals. We thought that was epic, and it was really big and this crazy large thing to organize. And all these churches in the Philadelphia region partnered. Now it's 50,000 meals a week. That's small things. Okay, that's Vito Baldini, who came here in December, and Bruce Finn was up on the stage and interviewed him. And we get to be a part of this. Go to the uh, next slide. This is uh, uh, all kinds of people are hired to run the warehouse. And then there's 50 distribution spots in our region. Uh, is there one more? There's one more picture here. Okay, this is the free grocery store in Kensington uh, that just opened this past year. And there's a vision for like 10 more of these. And... Um, People come and pick out groceries that they actually want. Was feeding people not important enough for Jesus? Incorrect, right? There's a feeding of the 4,000. There's a feeding of the 5,000. 
and then the Antioch church in the New Testament, this amazing church that's an example in the book of Acts, they're the first church to send famine relief to other churches. They send relief. We've been saying, hey, guess what? We went in on that. Uh, We want to do that. Um, I believe it's okay. Why? I believe that God wants to raise up more people to do ministry so that going to this church right now, uh, let's pray and believe and pray for our kids. There's going to be people who do awesome in business and uh, flourish in the trades and are godly men and women who bless their community. And also we want to pray some people go in the ministry. Uh, I'll tell you what, the people in my church in eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, or when I was in high school, uh, wrecking automobiles as a hobby, <laughs> they weren't thinking, that guy will probably help start a bunch of churches. They weren't thinking that. No one was thinking, that. hey, that guy will probably start like a lot of churches. And they were probably like, I hope his life's not a disaster. We're a little bit worried about that guy. <laughs> And we want to pray and believe um, we want to believe God's still raising up young people and young adults to serve him in every kind of way. And man, we want this church to be a part of that and get to pour into people by, hey, by raising up the next generation of leaders, all we're doing is being part of the temple of God, the dwelling place of God by the Spirit in the world. That's all. So we're going to end this generosity initiative. Uh, We're part of the body of Christ. We're going to do poverty alleviation, strength in ministries. Uh, I just want to say a couple things. In a way, this isn't ending. We're beginning a new season, and we're going to run after the stuff that we've been talking about. So it's like it's kind of like now the fun's going to start. Um, generosity. What are some of the things we've said? Generosity is measured not by what you don't have, but what you do. Junior high and senior high kids. I know this generosity stuff has been presented to you with like the student ministry. I just want you to know how you respond to this is precious to God. How you respond is like actually really meaningful to the God of the universe. And it'll shape your heart and your character. If you're visiting, you're like coming at the end of this five-week generosity initiative. In a way, you're seeing us at this really cool moment. You're going to see that we believe that the gospel of Jesus leads to generosity towards people and towards people that God loves in the world and things that God loves in the world. We want to love God by being generous, and we want to love people by being generous. We're actually going to take action steps. Oh, this is the day I've been talking about this for a while where we're actually, we're going to turn in these giving plans. And I invite you to just like look under the chairs on the Bibles. They're in the books in the middle of the book, but look under the chairs in the Bibles. There are the cards. Pick one up in your hand. We have them out um, on the way in. They're on the table if you need to grab one. But we've been leading up to this special Sunday. And the card has like, hey, here's like your present level of generosity. And some of you have been giving to the church. Some of you, this is really exciting to me, will give to a church for the first time. You're like new to Jesus stuff. I love that we have a ton of people who are new to being a disciple of Jesus. I love it. And I'm praying that you'll give to the Lord in this way for the first time. That's actually really precious to him. But if you look at the card, there's a a way to say, um, hey, this is what you give now. And as we've just sat on two chapters in generosity, okay, 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9, we've just soaked in that for four weeks, and now we're here today. As we've just looked at it, um, how are you letting your heart to be generous? What are you going to do? And write it down. And we're going to do a two-year thing. And 
here's the biblical reasons for doing the planning thing. Some people have asked, like, hey, why are we doing this? I haven't been in a church that's asked for a two-year deal. Um, here's why. Well, we think biblically it's important enough to plan for. You actually see that in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Like, important things are worth planning for. So, hey, make a plan for it. I think there's a discipleship reason for it. Um, early on in this, I was like, wow, you know, doing this kind of a series, whenever you teach on money in the church, it's a little bit more sensitive, right? Um, my email inbox is going to be a little bit more filled with usual. What are we really doing here? But there's a discipleship reason for this. I believe that as a pastor among you, this is like good for us. It's good for me. My, my wife and I did the stuff, did the questions, decided on it, you know, went first Thursday. There's a discipleship reason for this. It's good for us to take steps of faith. Is it challenging? Yes. Is it, uh, is it scary to some of us? Yes. Do we need faith for it? Yes. Do we need to trust God for it? Yes. Does it sound like something that, does it sound like stuff in the Bible? Yes. Listen to what Jesus says about giving and stuff. Uh, there's also a practical reason. Uh, uh, look, man, I don't know what, what to tell you, but we gave you the little book thing. And we're like, this is what we're going to do. These are our priorities. We want to give massive money away. I'm grateful right now. We're not building anything with the building. You know, I'm grateful. So we just get to throw big rocks at stuff that God loves in the world. How cool is that? That's what we get to do. So we showed you the priorities. And um, I invite you to fill it out. I challenge you to. Write down what you want on that card. And if you want to write a note, if you're like, hey, man, I'm going to try to be a regular giver for the first time. If you're like, um, there was a season in my life as a young person, like the giving bug had to hit me at the right time. I wasn't a regular giver. It's like the, I, you know, it was like the barometric pressure had to be right in the right mood. <laughs> and so going from a whimsical, you might fall over kind of giver to like, hey, I actually plan for this because it's important and I love God and love his people. Uh, if you want to write some encouraging thing down the card, okay. Now, get this. It's estimated giving. It could change. You know what I mean? There's some drastic things. No one's going to call you from the church and be like, hey, what's up? No one's, no, that's not happening. Okay. Uh, our business manager is going to see this and up to two finance team, lay people, staff counters are going to see it. Um, so it's anonymous in that way. Um, it's an estimated thing. What steps, as we've gone through this, what are you going to do? Uh, I want to address this too. So we have this box right here, and we're going to sing and worship the Lord and dedicate these gifts to the Lord and what we're asking God to do in us and through us in the next two years. We're going to do that uh, by coming up and dropping it in in this box. Why are we doing it that way? Okay, Jesus did said, hey, there's some good deeds that should be done secretly. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You know, don't live tweet every time you help somebody, you know, get a selfie of you. Like, you know, don't do that. Okay. Also, though, a lot of giving in the Bible was public. The offerings to make the tabernacle that we just read, that was brought to a central place. The offerings in the temple. So Jesus and his disciples watched a poor widow go in and put in two coins. That's what she had. That was public. When the New Testament church was born, People sold property, and the proceeds were laid at the feet of the apostles. There's public aspects of it, and no one's announcing what they're doing, shouting out numbers as they come skipping down the aisles or anything. Uh, we're not doing that. That's between you and the Lord, okay? Uh, but we're going to, uh, together as a community, dedicate these cards to the Lord and ask God to powerfully move the needle of generosity in our lives. Um, we're going to dedicate these to the Lord. We're going to worship, and then we're going to pray. Um, hey, a bunch of le So we had this prayer and worship night Thursday. 
36 households went first. So these are mostly, there's some staff. I went, uh, I went first. I wanted to be the actual first person, but one of the adult leaders was sitting in the front row, beat me to it. So I was second, but I was early. I skid in the game. Um, that young leader was stoked. I love him. Um, we had 36 households go first, and we're not, I'm not going to let you clap for them. That's not what we're seeking to do. But I want to say on their behalf, okay, what their commitment was, was really significant. And uh, on behalf of them, I'm thanking you, the congregation, in behalf of all those leaders, and it was some servant leaders, some small group leaders, some people serve in different ways, and elders and deacons, those 36 households. I'm thanking you ahead of time for taking this seriously, because I know a lot of you have been wrestling with it. Um, some of our leaders were gone Thursday night, so they're going to go um, this morning. Some of you are watching online or away this weekend. Okay, the next couple weeks, these are going to come in. You could email, you could take a picture of a card and email it to our business manager, Kim Halfway, uh, Kim H at covenantdoylestown.org. Their email's on the thing. You could just bring it next week, over the next couple weeks. But uh, we went first. We're seeking to lead by example. We're stoked about what God's going to do, and we're praying like crazy. There's been a surge of prayer, both before the first service and after the second service, praying for us as a church, praying for our outreach, praying this will matter how we live out the love of God in our community. Uh, So we went, and I'm going to ask if you're one of those 36 households that went, or we're not going to clap for them because we're going to give all glory to God. But if you went first Thursday night at our prayer and worship night, would you please stand? Would those folks stand? Uh, Look around. There's a lot of leaders here standing up who love the Lord and love this church and are asking God to work in us and through us. Uh, Would the rest of you stand? Let's stand together. We're going to sing and worship the Lord. I'm going to have the worship team come out. Let me pray for us as we get ready to do this. Lord, um, we pray that generosity would mark us as a community of Jesus more. We get to be part of what you're doing in the world in stuff that you love. You love women dancing in South Sudan because they're full of joy about clean water. You love churches being planted. You love food being served in our region. You love Uh, leaders being raised up. May we love these things more. We thank you. We get to be a part of it. Lord, lead us and bless us as we commit this to you. Amen. Hey, we're going to pray in a second. And uh, I'm going to pray. So we've been praying that the gospel's reach would be extended in our community. That's our part of Bucks County. Uh, I'm going to have board member elder here, Al Herman, pray for our region. We want to strengthen churches in the region. We want to be a blessing to the region. We want to alleviate poverty in the region. Another board member, Matt Jones, an elder here, is going to pray for God's reach to be extended in the world. Okay, so let's just unite our hearts to prayer. Lord, we pray for this community. We pray that we would be a better light for Jesus in Doylestown with deeds of love, with like doing physical things with our hands and feet and time and energy and money here to serve people. Uh, Lord, right now, we think silently of all the people that we know that do not know Jesus as Savior yet. We think about the people you put in our lives that don't know Jesus yet. Uh, Say a silent prayer for them right now just invite you to pray for people God's putting in their lives. Lord, we pray that the gospel's reach would be extended in our community, and we pray that you would bless us to make a deeper blessing to our part of Bucks County. Father, as we pray for our region, teach us from Paul's word to the church in Thessalonica. Finally, brothers, pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened to you. 
the Lord is faithful. May he direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. As we pray for our region, call to our minds some that you know who live 10 miles away who need gospel grace. And call to our hearts some who live 100 miles away who are in need of gospel mercy. And burden our souls for those who live a thousand miles away, who are strangers to Jesus. And as it pleases you, Lord, would you open a door for Rob and Lisa Jeffacoyo to serve in life-changing ministry in one of those places with abundant harvest to the glory of God in the highest. Lord, as we... As we turn to think of the world, Lord, the world you created, the world you've blessed us to be part of, Lord, we know we're reminded, Lord, that you call us to love you, to love people, and to make disciples. Lord, and as we think of so many around the world who need you so deeply, who need to know your love and your grace, I pray that you work in our hearts You work in our hearts. You stir our hearts for the nations that they will know you as we know you, that they will know your love and your grace as we know your love and grace. And Lord, as we take a moment here to think of them, to pray for them, I pray that you stir in the people here, stir in their hearts, a desire to serve, to give, to pray for those who they may have never met. Maybe today, Lord, you'll call somebody, you'll start to stir in somebody's heart that they will leave this region and go somewhere else to do mission work, Lord, maybe even permanently full-time. Maybe you'll stir someone's heart here to give extra generously toward reach in order to meet you in a more deep and meaningful way in order to reach the nations with your grace and your love. Your Lord, maybe you'll stir their hearts to be in prayer for them, these among us here, to be on their knees for those around the world. As we take a moment to pause here, Lord, and pray for the world, I pray that you stir our hearts. Lord, work, work through us and in us as we step out in faith to serve locally, to give locally, to serve regionally, to give regionally, and to serve those around the world by giving to them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We've dedicated these, these plans to the Lord. We're asking him to work in us and through us. Let's sing the song of praise and thanksgiving. Thanks, brothers. Thanks for listening. Feel free to connect with us on our website at covenantsoilstown.org to watch live on Sunday mornings. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. 